0: Hello and welcome to the Tea and Toast podcast, the bi-weekly podcast which focuses on mental health and wellness. On today's show, we have AJ O'Neill, better known as Sit Down AJ. AJ is a professional dancer, teacher, choreographer and now writer of the musical Unicorn. AJ continues to amaze me with not only the free dance party classes but also how he wants to help everyone feeling great through this time. So on today's show, AJ will be talking through how he began Sit Down AJ, his own story, and the importance of dance and expressing yourself. Thank you aj for joining us today we're just having a nice cup of tea
1: absolutely <laughs> pleasure to be here it's a pleasure to have my tea i actually started this podcast late today because i was busy making my tea but you know what <laughs> priorities guys priorities the world is burning but priorities
0: it's also really comforting to have a nice cup of tea so
1: it is it can't is beat that this is what i'm talking about like i need i was like i'm irish as well and we oh we do love it we love a brew as the northerners say I love I love my tea, and it's just something where you can just sort of you can hug it in a way you can't with an espresso. Yeah,
2: it's like an is so great, but
1: it's like this kind of like it's like a punch in the face, you know. But like it's <laughs> like a gentle, warm, slightly yes. sugary breast that just lasts for like two to four minutes.
0: So my mom's Irish, and when she makes a cup of tea, it's just literally like. It's like home in a mug. You just feel like it is that cuddle that someone just gives to you.
1: It is like a hug in a mug. It's like a hug in a mug. You're totally right. That should be what they thought they should call it that. Someone should have used that by now. If they haven't... Know. Uh, Copyright this podcast.
0: So, today, AJ, it's great to have you on the show. So, what we wanted to do is really talk through your own experiences and also just to talk through how dance has become more than just an exercise. It's also a massive mood enhancer. You do a lot about wellness and body confidence, and it's really important right now. So, it would be great, first of all, to kick off and just explain a little bit about yourself how it really began with sit down aj and yeah that'll be a great first start especially for people that may not necessarily follow you yet and hopefully will after this show
1: absolutely come follow me guys follow me so sit down aj was just it's my for those of you who were like what is what is that is it a is it a is it a concept um that was just my my screen name for my instagram and my twitter and um my youtube channels i had all these different um online presences and none of them were connected and they were all different things I used to be little nakey hobo can't remember why that was oh. don't remember <laughs> why I was nakey but anyway I had a bunch of different uh, online names and then I just thought pick something that kind of covered a bunch of things I do and my main thing that I do is bop around the place and tend to be over enthusiastic so people ask for a volunteer and I'm like me so <laughs> teachers in class would possibly get to the point where they'd be like sit down AJ somebody else come on um so that was where that came from so i'm from ireland you can probably tell that um from dublin i moved over here in 2002 i think to go to university to do music theater musical theater and dance and went to a place called lanes uh, which is like a big musical theater college loads of people from the west end and people who go to broadway have come from there and then i went into the musical chicago in the west end that was my first job oh wow uh, which was yeah like a dream since amazing basically a kid my parents my parents had always done shows since i was um like a child my whole life and then my mum who passed away um the year after I moved to well during my first year of university here uh, from cancer she she was a pianist and a musical uh, musical director so they were always rehearsing things and there was always music and there's always dance and my mum was a piano teacher who refused to teach me piano because she said you'd kill me I did a bunch of other musicals small ones here and turned as a backing dancer with a band I did a film for Miramax and was on things like East Senders and the Tudors and then I basically, it just kind of, it just sort of trickled off. And I was like, okay, I need to do something with myself. So I sort of, I lied my way into a job. I, I trained to do my uh, Zumba training. I think I did it on like, I did it on like a Tuesday. And I previously lied to a gym and told them that I was trained. So my job was on the Thursday. So I had to basically do this. And the training's like a day where they don't really show you very much. So I was just like, oh. And so I did it, made up a load of dances and then went in and just basically had a panic attack for an hour in this gym. But it oh. looked like something like yeah. I, was, I was dying inside like my heart rate was about 190 the whole time and not just because of the exercise from zumba i ended up realizing i quite liked sort of the helping people aspect of fitness and dance mm-hmm. a lot of gyms i taught at were very sort of exclusive and expensive and you know you yeah. couldn't come into a class unless you paid like 150 200 pounds a month you know like a lot of money you know mm-hmm. and um, i wanted to make it more accessible which is the thing that carried on through what i'm doing now which we'll probably talk about um mm-hmm. So I started my own company, which is called Move. Uh, Move Pop-Up Gym. Helping people is the thing I want to be doing. And if I can do that with my ridiculousness, then that's that's a really nice thing, um, which is what I was hoping to do. I wanted to be a psychologist and help people. My mom had been telling me for years, no, no, go dance. You're great at dancing and singing and all that. So why don't you go do that? Make people happy. And I was like, no, I want to be helpful. I wanted to have a job where if the world was to like end, me had to rebuild it, I'd be useful. I said that to her when I was, I think, like, 15 or something and she said would you really want to would you really want to live in a world without dancing and she said, because I wouldn't and I was like I, I undervalued what I can bring to pretty much anything my whole life so I think I didn't really see that anything I could add this would be something people would want and i since realized that's wrong which is amazing
0: it's so interesting yeah. how it's come full circle like you said that when you were younger you were thinking of studying psychology and actually dance really does provide that and like you said during now more than ever like my monday i do monday classes with the lady at pineapple I can't, I can't not dance through this because it's it's a way as well as uh, people people expressing themselves. So you can really take that routine and you can you can dance how you want to. And I think that's also one of the questions that um, I'd love to ask. I think one of the biggest parts I find, especially when I ask people to join me with dance classes, is that fear associated with dance. So I actually joined one of your dance classes and um, with Sober Girl Society. And I oh, think yeah. one of the best.
1: Them. Oh, can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yes, can. Them Tell them what that is. Yeah,
0: it's a Sober Girl Society. It's a society focusing on sobriety. It's led by Millie Gooch. And it's a real community of people that may have tried sobriety or they're just reducing alcohol but it's very much about new ways of connecting with people and not necessarily just being down the pub but it's through things like dance and it's through like yoga and it's showing that you can yeah exactly and you can socialize in a way that you don't have to be drinking so I was I went and attended that class um with yourself AJ and I found the most refreshing part was at the beginning about you're like don't worry about what you wear how you dance just be who you are and I was just like that is so refreshing because often when I go to classes that's the first thing I think I'm like oh gosh everyone's going to be amazing am I wearing something what's everybody like and you have yeah. this expectation you completely remove that and I thought that was such a lovely beginning to a class because I've never had that before.
1: Oh I'm glad I'm really glad that's what I want basically because I, I, teaching a pineapple is you know is, it's an honour because it, it is a thing where I asked and it took them 10 years to let me have a class to, to find a space you know but it does scare people off like, it does scare my friends off. It scared off many people I know. Anybody who's not, like, a dancer dancer um, mm-hmm. thinks, oh, God, pineapple. No, everyone's really, like, skinny and fit there. But also, there's a lot of us who aren't. And I think you go to a class, and the class the class is not defined by its content. The class is defined by the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can go to a ballet class and have an amazing time, even if you're shite at ballet. I think you can go to a ballet class and have a terrible time if you're shite at ballet. I think you can go to a ballet class and have a terrible time if you're, at you go time if you're good at ballet because Mm -hmm. it depends entirely on the teacher people they want they come for the content but they stay for the teacher
2: Mm.
1: you know and they always will because it's it's not what you're teaching them because anybody can learn how to anyone can watch a tutorial on youtube anyone can watch you know back then there weren't that many but there was still something you could buy a dvd you could you know all these kind of things like jane Fonda's stuff is still as effective as it was back when she made that video you know you know and also she's a queen and we should support her but uh the thing that makes you stand out is going to be you. And mm. that's why people have responded to my class because I'm, well, whether for good or for ill, I have no inside voice and I'm just so aggressively myself. And thankfully, that's something people responded to because otherwise I'd have a massive problem because <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no good at not being me. Like, that's a thing, like authenticity, which is something that we talk about a lot now. Mm. It's, something, it's something that we didn't used to talk a lot about. And I was constantly worried that I was being too honest I have spent my entire life worrying that I've said too much and nowadays I still say too much but then I've just decided not to worry quite Mm -hmm. so much my intentions are good you know they're always good and Mm -hmm. I just have to go this is who I am and I meant well and if I feck it up and I often do we all do it's just a thing of being compassionate to yourself and going actually you're not a bad person if you mess up you're just a person yeah and that's taken me a really long time to get Mm -hmm. to but I did a really good job of faking it. So a lot of people, when I told them that the change transpired between me hating myself and me liking myself more, they were like, oh, but we thought you liked yourself before. And I was like, no, I just did a really good job of making you think I was fun, which is an aspect of something that I think I work on a lot now, Mm. where I used to never. Um, Which is a part of therapy, it's part of meditation, it's part of lots of things. Uh, When we did, do you remember when we did the Sober Girl Society class? We did meditation at the second half, and I think a lot of that would have been me explaining my journey to kind of self love and self worth. That's something I talk about a lot, but um, it is something I'm hugely invested in. I think, honestly, think there's nothing more important, really, because until you Mm. have love for yourself, you can't love other people in the way you you know it's which sounds really cheesy it sounds like RuPaul but it's true like it's if you are secretly loathing yourself then even when you're nice to other people you're not doing it because it's not done freely it's done because you're trying to make them like you trying not to let them hate you or you're Mm -hmm. trying to prove something to them or to yourself or you know and to be able to just step outside of all that like I think of it as mental weather and just actually go you know what I'm okay that gives you a platform to then be able to go who else isn't okay I sort of spent my whole life wondering how it is I can help people the most. Mm. Um, but I think I was l- in lots of ways doing it to distract from my lack of liking of myself. You know? It's
0: quite often that way. I totally agree with you. I think self-love is something. It does it does take a, a long time. I, I co- totally understand where you come from. I'm, I used to be that type of person that would seek other people's approval before my own and now I've got to a stage especially actually through this lockdown it's helped me to really reflect on things that now I I don't actually care as much as I used to because I used to get myself into right old pickle just thinking about that stuff and now rewinding it and thinking about the self-love aspect and focusing on myself you have more confidence to what how you are as a person and and that comes second to what other people think I think you're more mindful
2: yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I think there's a massive difference between, um, I'm really obsessed with Brené Brown. Have you read Brené Brown's book? No, I haven't. Oh my god, she's amazing. She's like my guru. Really? Um, I, yeah, no, literally, like my therapist, who my, I've had a therapist for the last two years, is amazing. Like, not a therapist, like a coach. Mm. But it turned out when we first met that he actually trained with her. And oh, I was wow. Like, no, wonder, no wonder I like how you work, because you are, and he's like, he, he gives workshops for her. Mm. Um, and she's amazing! Oh my god, listen to her. Russell uh, Brand has an amazing podcast called Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. Listen to the one where he talks to Brené Brown, because really? first of all, it's hilarious because she clearly fancies him, and it's gas <laughs> and like, <laughs> and then she's sort of like spreading incredible wisdom, and then we're all like, stop, uh, it's like adorable. Um, but she's amazing. She's amazing. She did all this work on. um She's actually a researcher who was doing work. I think it was she was looking into joy. She was trying to like basically looking into what joy is and how we can get more of it. I think that was the original things she did years ago and then basically the more she interviewed people because she was trying to do like a proper scientific kind of like I'm going to interview all these people and then look at the common factors and she realized it wasn't about joy it was about shame so much of our lives are about shame like almost everything is to do with shame avoidance of shame denial of shame passing on of shame like Mm -hmm. it's just so much of our emotional baggage is just shame related even if we don't think it is because it's different kinds of shame it's shame about mm-hmm. ourselves about what we did about what we didn't do but we who we are a really deep kind of shame there's a difference between shame and guilt
2: mm.
1: guilt is guilt is a guilt is a i think a healthy shame in some cases because it stops you from doing something bad twice but like deep personal shame about who and what you are it's sort of the difference between saying i have shame about a thing i did like i have shame Versus I am shame. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the thing that I've been kind of working on the last few years on myself. Like, stop being ashamed of what you are mm-hmm. and who you are. And if you have shame over something you've done, process it, apologise for it, try and be better next time. You know, stop holding on to every little thing you've ever done. Like, I still feel crippling mm-hmm. physical pain over things I did when I was like... I closed the door on my sister's friend's fingers... By accident, um, yeah. And her, my sister's friends, my sister's friends, sister's fingers, and it this um, little girl. She had Down syndrome. She was at my front door, and she was standing there, and she just sort of made a face. And I was like, I was trying to close the door, and then I realised she wasn't saying anything because she didn't understand that she had to tell me. But I was closing the door, and this girl's fingers. And like to this day, I still, even now talking about it, I can feel this like cold trickle of shame and like horror and yeah. you know it wasn't intentional I, I no, realized what was happening Opened the door and she was fine you know but it's that thing of like going in any like if, if you did it I'd be like it wasn't intentional didn't realize what was happening the second you realized what was happening you opened the door again you apologized you made sure she was okay but mm-hmm. even now still now thinking about it going god and it's like going, I'm a, I'm a terrible person for having done that, whereas it was an accident, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, my mum has this thing. I don't know if, if your families are saying Catholic guilt oh, yeah. is, oh yeah. my gosh, that feeling. Oh. I feel like that's what scars you more than anything. It comes back to haunt you and you just think, oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. And you do get that sicky stomach, but it is like you said, letting go and, and giving yourself forgiveness. Sometimes it's easier to give that to other people as opposed to yourself. And it's, it's like, why do I do this to myself? So I, I totally understand what you were saying about that. When you mentioned about your sort of journey through like therapy and um, self-care, self-love, how did that happen for you? How did you begin that journey and and gain that confidence to to venture into that?
1: I had tried therapists before a few times when I was younger. It's probably quite obvious, um, but I'm gay and Irish, and I was born in 1981. My parents aren't very Catholic, but we were sort of Catholic enough. Like I did all of the Rituals. I did my communion and my confirmation and all that stuff. I had to do a first confession, where you tell a priest about the thing you did wrong. Oh gosh! Um, I remember crying to my mum about that because I was like, "Oh god, I've done this thing." She was like, "Just tell him you borrowed a pencil. Like it's fine." But I yeah. was a mess because the thing is, they drum, they drum this guilt and fear of you being a bad person. You come at you come at life. In Ireland, we're kind of all raised to know you're already a bad person. You could just try and be a better version of yourself mm-hmm. to be less bad. Because they're never like you're a good person. That's not the Catholic way. The yep. Catholic way is you are sinning
2: mm-hmm. from
1: the get go. So <laughs> <Yep. laughs> you know I mean you have to like apologize for it, mm-hmm. which is not something I subscribe to. I'm not I'm no longer Catholic, I wouldn't say. Um I don't believe in it. I don't know if you do. I mm-hmm. think it's great for people who get comfort from it. I think it's horrific for people who are ostracized by us and who are made to feel less than by it. Like I was convinced I was going to hell because I was gay. I my parents sent me to a therapist when I was I think 15 and then for a little while but then after I had my bike accident I went to a therapist as part of my recovery Mm
2: -hmm. and I remember
1: he was like you've got the lowest self-esteem of anyone I've ever spoken to ever and he's like no you really you really do (laughs) like it's really bad um go home and ask why (laughs) uh and it turned out that when I was a kid I had been sent to a therapist when I was like three who tried version therapy on me yeah, that's
2: awful
1: and my parents didn't realize what the guy was doing because they were sending me there because I was well there's a long story but basically they didn't send me there for that and um this guy took it upon himself to see me uh, for an hour a week for a while and yeah just decided he was going to try and de me and when my parents realized what he was doing they took me away but I totally forgot that's about it until, so I, until I asked when I was like 18 um yeah. so but that's that's if someone is telling you that everything about you is wrong and that you are a terrible person and that you'll always be alone or whatever else he was saying to me. Oh my well, gosh. And you were three
0: years old. and he I was... don't know.
1: I don't know what he said, but that is all the stuff they say to people when they're trying to, you know, de-gay them is that's to so say, you know, awful. this is not a life you want. It's as if you can pick, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I got really angry about that. It took me a long time to kind of. Rightfully so. It. But lots of my parents were furious when they found out. Yeah. Saying, you know, and yeah, so it's just a thing that's kind of affected me my whole life really. So going back to therapists after that, I was really, really careful yeah um, I tried to see a therapist a few about eight years ago I think and he was a gay therapist and that was interesting but I felt like all he did was tell me I was he was like yeah no you're fine you're good the world is hard that's all it is and I was like no I need to actually deal with some things yeah Um, oh do you know how I found my current guy actually as I was talking to a friend of mine about how I was having a really difficult time about two years ago an absolute hole just like just self-confidence and work in the toilet and then this guy was like, oh, I've seen someone who actually helped me with that, if you want me to put you in touch with them, and did, and um, he's uh, he's great, he really, really helped me. Within months, I was actually feeling, just dealing with stuff that I'd never really dealt with, you know, like really deep, seated, loathing, yeah. <laughs> um, which is quite, I'm sort of smiling, but it's like, it's really sad, but um, I'm really glad I dealt with it, I'm still dealing with it every day, you know, I mean, you don't just snap to suddenly being like, I love myself and everything's great, but realizing where the roots of those things come from, you know, and being able to go, this is an old pattern. I think that's the thing. Um, do you have a therapist?
0: Yeah. So I've, well, I, I'm, I've tried lots of different therapies, but I know like you, like you mentioned, when you have a bad experience, you really are, it kind of actually put up a bit of a barrier with me. And he was very similar. Just, just do these, go out, see you later. That's my hour done. And he um, in the end, actually, it was just so bad um I then had a lovely therapist after that and it it, it completely changed like you said you notice such a difference imminently that you you're talking about different things you're you're actually listening in a whole different way and it it begins to make sense that you think oh my gosh I've been trying to explore the roots of things for so long that because I had therapy from a really really young age also and yeah, I, I I really think therapy is a really good thing. I think it's really hard though to begin that journey because sometimes it can be quite daunting, and also where to begin because there's so many different types of therapy. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's a minefield, and mm. I've got friends that I'm trying to get into therapy and have been for a while, and the problem is you come up against the wrong therapist, as I as a child found out, and you found out recently, um, and they they just they fuck you up. Mm-hmm. They fuck you right up, but they fuck you up in a really insidious way deep way because they make you feel like it's your fault you imagine doing that to priests in ireland like people go for confession the yeah priest knows about you and then being told for example as a young gay man like oh that's just say hello mary's don't do that don't don't think about that that's evil you're going to go to hell if you do that like so it's awful. literally being like the world's least sort of acceptable therapist you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's like taking people at the most vulnerable and they're most in need of actual guidance and then just judging them instead of helping them i think it's absolutely disgusting but then there are good priests out there, you know, there are mm. priests who are supportive, there are priests who are sort of diverse and, you know, there are, there's lots of gay priests <laughs> and, lots, and lots of them are very caring and have just chosen that, you know, despite the conflicts that are inherent in that, they care more about bringing God to people than they do about themselves, you know, which is yeah. a massive thing to give up. I think that about anybody, like I used to hate priests and nuns when I was younger. And now I sort of feel that anybody who is willing to, to commit themselves to that life, knowing how they are perceived, mm-hmm. must really just care more about their relationship to whatever their God is to them, you know, mm-hmm. and help people hopefully. The problem is in Ireland, there's this culture of silence and violence and, you know, um, cul- like a lack of culpability, which goes along with the Catholic church, as you probably, probably know about. Mm-hmm. Um, like my dad was beaten up by his teachers in a, in a Catholic school um, you know, and he was made right with his right hand even though he's left-handed. But he was, because they said that it was the devil's hand. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, the crazy. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to be, just, yeah. Sometimes, and the thing is Ireland is, Ireland's massively changing. Like, it's, you know, the gay marriage is legal there now. Mm-hmm. Abortion is legal there now. Like, it's stuff I never thought would be acceptable. Stuff I never in a million years would have thought they would support. They are. So there is a generation of Irish people, two generations maybe now, who are, kinder who are more conscientious who are thinking for themselves rather than being told what to think by the church and i think that mm-hmm. that's amazing and i'm just so proud you know i don't know it's, it's it's weird i feel a bit weird about national pride because i you know obviously i left but i am proud to be irish but i'm also ashamed to be irish in that way it's like you know i feel responsible for things people like you know people from where i'm from have done in even though i didn't do it you know mm-hmm. um, i think i think as long as we're aware it's interesting what's going on at the moment because the protests in America have been going on for four days um, after George Floyd was murdered. And I mean, I've been overwhelmed by the virus stuff before this, but now I'm just overwhelmed by like fear for my black friends and their family in America and here and everywhere. And there was like, it was an outrage and a justified outrage. But then it kind of fades because you're. You've got stuff on.
0: Actually, what are we doing with the next steps? Are we educating ourselves? Are we doing that bit to to actually actively do something that we may not necessarily have done before? And I think there's so much to be done and just opening up that conversation that may not necessarily have been had before. The protests are happening, that are happening, need to happen. And similar to yourself, I need to surround myself and educate myself a lot more.
1: The thing is I'm doing my best to try and be um, aware and to be honest, white people are being forced to talk about this and yeah. that is right. I want to be a better ally, I want to be a better friend, causes, I, I feel like this has to be the next sort of big civil rights jump. I, I hope it is and it'll only, and all, and all it'll take is to go back to our lives for it not to work and that's what we can't let happen. You know, so much of who I am, music that I dance to and the styles of music that I do, like, you know, tap, hip-hop, jazz, are either created by or massively influenced and shaped by black artists and i wouldn't be here and i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing and i also wouldn't be who i am without the black artists that i've used as cultural touchstones but also learned from and like in terms of like humor and everything like so much and so much of gay culture comes from black people as well just thinking you know learn where you came from i'm just trying to offer more of a space for people to come and i guess do something together because I, i know how difficult it is to even get out of bed at the moment But I do think, like, the community that I have has people of all races, all backgrounds. I also try and make the class inclusive for people who are in wheelchairs, so I constantly give options. And I'm going to be teaching this seated dance class in a few weeks, which is a big deal for me, because I did a dance class one day in Pineapple. It's up four floors of stairs, you know, so everybody who was up there can walk, um, can it's full use of their legs. And we did a class. And then at the end, I said, would you mind all sitting down, and we'll just record this fitness dance thing and I'll make a video and I'll make it accessible to people who are deaf by following the you know the kind of subtitles which would be fun and I did that and then I put it up and I didn't really think anymore about it it's kind of a passing thing it's been the most responded to most commented most thanked for thing i've ever done i had been contacted by this group in cape cod which is a place i used to go on holidays it's my favorite place in the world right randomly it turns out they have the center there where they it's called capabilities and uh it's an amazing group of people and center where they they help people with different different levels of disabilities oh quite a lot of very heavily disabled people it's somewhere where they can go they can socialize they can do activities and the people who run it are amazing but they mentioned to me in an email that they do my my dance class every morning is their exercise, and um, and then when this was happening, they were like, "Oh, we're actually doing Zoom stuff three times a day because they all had to come home for social distancing and quarantining because they're all quite high risk in terms of health." Mm. Uh, so they asked me to come on, and I came onto the Zoom, and it was me and like all the people who do my class, and it was just like, "Oh, it is so rewarding." The messages that get left on that probably every week I get messages and, um, and they're always just lovely in thanking me and saying, please do more of these. So I did a few more uh, with, with some friends who are in wheelchairs and who are dancers, but I'm going to do this big kind of like wheelchair live hour-long class for people across the world. And that's going to be a few weeks. Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about that. It's a nice thing. And um, I'm going to talk to people like Scope and stuff to see if they'll, they'll let their members know. And what was really sweet is as well from that same thing, um, a guy got in touch with me from the university of, I think it's Michigan, um a guy called Sam and he's part of the US Paralympics team yeah and he's on a, he's on a team there to try and give people uh disabled people stuff to do during lockdown and he contacted me the other day asking would he mind if would I mind if they linked to my videos for all of their people as part of their content because he felt that they liked how inclusive it was yeah he really touched by that but then I said to him about the class and he said oh he'd love to like help tell people about it so I think he's going to tell the Paralympic um people about it and then some other people so it could it could end up being this huge thing you know. Um,
0: my thesis is actually about um, Paralympics and disability in, and inclusivity oh, and no so way. yeah you mentioned that on a weekly basis people comment on it I think because it's needed and I think more content like that is just so inspiring to see and you just continue to amaze me in terms of your inclusivity and your, your power and your drive for that. There's there's not enough of that in dance and I think the fact that you're, you're continuing to do that and um, yeah I think it's a great project I, I look forward to seeing that and i hopefully the people listening will
1: have a little look too oh yeah if they want to if they look at sit down aj and look at my most viewed video it's called uh can't stop the feeling Oop, that's, that's me nearly falling down on my chair <laughs> which, uh, people on people on the internet people in podland uh, I just <laughs> fell over in my very old very raggedy office chair that i've been sitting in my house for like 10 years right now in the middle of writing a musical which had to get on stage before i uh Oh, Before
0: yes. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that. And when you're hoping to launch that, will that be um, online or how with everything that's going on? Are you having to pivot it to something that is virtual? Is it going to still be um, on stage?
1: That's a question. <laughs> uh, so Unicorn is a musical that I'm writing. Uh, I'm, I'm working on the book, Music and Lyrics. My partner, Simon, my boyfriend, is working on the book with me. And we worked with a few people on the music as well. Uh, I've never written a musical before, by the way. Um, my first ever song I wrote was for this show, <laughs> and then when people liked the song, I was like, oh, maybe it could work. The show is about a trans woman named Ellie, and it's sort of about her trying to um, get past the sort of blocks she's put in place, and also the blocks around her just by being a trans woman in in New York uh, in t- two thousand nineteen, I guess. And it's about it goes into her past and her present, and it's about her sort of starting to tentatively date some tentatively date someone. It's a lot of things it's kind of a lot of a lot of the stuff I dealt with in therapy has gone into it you know like trying to um, love myself and kind of get to the stage where I can and understanding my the blocks that being other you know an in inverted commas uh, puts in the way of your own sort of self-worth and how you can kind of get through that with with family and friends and that even with a lot of people around you trying to help you you don't necessarily see that because you are too blocked by yourself mm-hmm. and the reason that it's about a trans woman is that it was inspired by a story of a trans girl that we read totally different story now it's nothing to do with the real person anymore but she she was really inspiring in terms of her journey Mm. and um, now it's kind of an amalgam of loads of different kind of true trans stories like I've spoken to lots and lots of trans people and advocacy groups and at kind of every stage there's been people working on it who are queer in various different um, ways Uh, and we're trying to be really inclusive like the casting is always the person who played Ellie um, is a a trans actor who is incredible it's just a thing i'm really really passionate about it's the thing i care most about in the world i really wanted to be out there uh, the response as i say was incredible we got a producer a, a few producers interested on the day which is great someone from the national came and said that he really loved it and thinks it's going to do well uh, not going to be at the national sadly <laughs> but um you know we're we're looking at and we are still sort of looking into doing it here and in america and so here Ooh. in ideally new york would be would be the kind of dream you know, it's not it's not the most commercial project in the world, but the biggest thing people said to us after they saw it was that they didn't expect to relate to it so much. They didn't expect it to be so funny, given that it's about sort of quite a serious topic. They came away really caring about the character and also really caring about trans people more than they did when they went in, which feels really basic, but that is literally what we wanted. We wanted them to empathise with her as a person and then understand, because they cared about her as a person, that her transness is just a thing that she is dealing with and that is something to not stand between them and her in terms of them seeing her as being the same as them but it has been really rewarding and we've gone to work with an incredible really diverse group of people and make it so that you cannot do the show unless they are played by the right people because that's such a thing like uh, having worked in theatre for years there's a lot of stuff about representation going on and rightly so the amount of stories of racism within theatre that are being shared that I didn't realise horrifying stories we're really keen to help stop you know, And if this one little project can be a project where everybody who's in it is respected for what they can bring, I think that's really important. And so we want we want that to be a thing that we do. And so from that perspective, I would love it to be seen on stage eventually. It might be that theatre doesn't really come back for another year, year and a half. And we might end up doing some kind of a recording of it so that people can have access to it. And mm-hmm. um, Maybe that's a way to build awareness, but I don't know. Because I feel like it's the kind of show, there's stuff happens in it that you, I think, shouldn't find out until you see it. Mm -hmm. so i'd rather people come see it in some shape or form and discover all that as they see it the first time
0: i love musicals i used to go all the time when i was younger and chicago is actually the last musical i saw
1: a lot of my friends are in that
2: oh really yeah because i was in that that
1: version 10 years ago um (gasps) so or 13 years ago 13 years god 13 years ago but yeah uh anyway so yeah unicorn is going to be hopefully happening as a show hopefully here maybe in new york sometime Mm -hmm. it's set in New York so it'd be really nice to show it to people there and so you know let's hope that some of the things that we vaguely talked about before all this went down pan out I think that's why people responded to Unicorn because it was honest about a lot of stuff that happened to me and a lot of stuff that happened to the trans people I spoke to and interviewed and you know and read about because in the end if you're being honest that's what people will feel
0: where you've got so much going on at the moment. How do you find that motivation and how do you help maintain that because some days you probably might find yourself that oh, I don't really get up up today. You do such a good job of motivating other people. How can I- other people do that because I think that's that's one of the biggest pressures I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think I uh, as you probably remember from a few weeks ago I was really honest on my in my class about having a really difficult time. I got really depressed um, I've never had clinical depression or suffered or lived with clinical depression in in a long way. Lots of my close friends and family have, you know, you can understand it from the outside. You're like, they're having a hard time. They might be being a nightmare to deal with as people with anxiety and depression can be, but um, you know, you have to be compassionate and try and find out even though that can be difficult. Whereas when it's happening to you, you sort of, and this isn't to say that it's the same, but I definitely fell into a proper depression as a result of this virus situation in lockdown. I've been in lockdown because I have asthma, not been, Near anybody apart from my boyfriend, who I'm really lucky to be in lockdown with, partially because he's great and you know, understanding and gets how difficult it can be to be a human being, but also because he's an amazing cook <laughs> um, <laughs> and he organizes things. You know, he organizes things. I don't, I don't do that. I got into a really bad way and I had to be really honest about that because I was like, there was, I think I put a post on my Instagram, which is I left it up because I was going to take it down, but then I thought, why, um, saying guys, I've got a class in 20 minutes and I just don't know how I'm going to teach it. You know, I could barely get out of bed today. I have no energy. I just feel really like I've got no hope. And I think without hope, it's really hard to motivate yourself, Mm
2: -hmm. particularly
1: when my job is to kind of be that for other people and to constantly be giving something of myself to lift them out of that place. And for me, what happened was being honest helped so that they could be honest back, feeling like I wasn't in it by myself feeling like it was acceptable to be in a bad way, because it is, of course, we're all humans. Uh, I ate food when I was not feeling like I wanted to. Breathing and listening to the word of the day and thinking of the, you know, the concept of the day and stuff, that really helped me. Mm. So I do teach meditation to other people and have been for like two years. But I, you know, I send my friends meditation and meditations that are kind of geared towards them. I love it. And if you find one that works for you, just do the same one every day. Even if, They're like, oh, that was good yesterday. Today's wasn't great. Who cares? Do yesterday's again. What works for you works for you, you know, as the world changes and it is changing and it will continue to change with this new situation. We have to find new different ways to keep changing with us. You
0: speak about toxic positivity and and the expectations that come with that. For those people that don't know what toxic positivity is, could you explain a little bit about what that is about and how to manage that and what toxic positivity means to
1: you? Um, well, as far as I'm concerned, toxic positivity is this idea that unless you're being happy, unless you're being positive, unless you're only saying good things and giving good vibes and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you are being a bad, well, not just being a bad person, that it's unhealthy. The idea that we have to be all like, no, guys, no, just like think of good things, think of good things, you know, the whole time. That's not how people work. Our brains don't do that. Like if you, if you don't let yourself feel bad feelings, you are going to have some kind of a breakdown, you know, like when bad things happen, it is not normal, nor should it be to not have a bad reaction. You know, it's, it's, it's good to be sad. It's good to be angry about things that make you sad and angry. If you are getting sad and angry and you are telling yourself, no, 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 I have to be positive about this. Why? Your body is having a reaction to things. Your mind is having a reaction to things. It's healthy to have negative emotions. And basically toxic positivity is, it's kind of like, well, people just think of it as being t- being positive you know but it, there's lots of sort of schools of kind of philosophy and kind of modern self-help kind of what's the word schools I guess um which are all about you know like oh no only good vibes Another you know thing yeah. like you see a lot of it like um on Instagram for example and the idea of always just putting forward you know a picture of yourself being like happy and beautiful on the beach when you know for example black people are being murdered in front of you like that's not going to help anybody that's not going to help you and it's also not going to help any of the people who need help engaging with things, being honest with things, and working your way through feelings. The other day, I lost followers then too. <laughs> so when I was honest about my mental health and about the fact that I was having a hard time, people logged out and people logged off and people stopped following me. And Awful. you know, and it's like, and it's like, good. I like <laughs> don't forget to slam the door on your way out. Like I don't want those, people. I don't want those people in my life because they're not, they're not friends. They're not supportive. They're not family. They're not They're not there for you when you need them, you know. And the thing is, toxic positivity basically denies you the freedom and the space to be a human being with a full range of emotion and also means you can't be that for other people. Mm. So, you know, if you are a person who's like, no, but I have to be positive about this. Ask yourself why, you know, maybe you need space. Maybe you need time to just not be positive. Maybe you need to be sad. Maybe you need to be negative and work through why. And try and find ways to do things in your life that will allow you to find a more positive space. And meditation is a positive thing, but it's not always like, forget about everything bad that's going on. Meditation, if it works for me, is sit with it. Sit with the grief. Sit with the rage. Work out why. Is this connected to something that's happened before or happening now? You know, toxic positivity doesn't give you any space to do that. It just says, ignore it and it'll be fine. It's literally like put it in a box and pretend it's not happening. And that is the opposite of a healthy reaction. That is what leads to embolisms. Don't do it, people. Don't do it.
0: Mm. What is some advice that you would offer to listeners? So we spoke through your journey um, with dance and through therapy, through some of the things that you're discovering about yourself in this current time. What's some advice that you would offer to listeners that are starting that journey um, and are probably finding it a little bit difficult through covid
1: Well, firstly, I would say I'm literally not the person to get advice from. (laughs) So anything I say, please take with a massive like salt cellar of salt. The ocean's worth of salt. What I found is the most important things you can do are be honest about your feelings with yourself and with the people close to you and seek support from people who are in a position to get it. And that doesn't necessarily mean the people that you'd expect. So you might find that your family or your close friends are not in a position to be there for you. And if their idea of support is, oh, it'll be fine or, oh no, don't cry. Mm. Then maybe those aren't the people to be speaking to. Maybe you need to find people who, you know, have been through some stuff, you know, uh, people who, the kind of people who have difficult conversations are the best people to talk to about this sort of stuff because they're not afraid of it. Mm. And, you know, uh, my boyfriend and I have both been through a lot and we are really honest with each other and that's what makes it work. You know, is that we we have really difficult conversations. We piss each other off. We get upset, you know. But like we are able now, after a lot of therapy on both sides, to have conversations like that whereby we are really honest about our own needs. If you can't be honest about your own needs, no one will be able to meet them. So you need to be able to be honest with people about those. And that is a really difficult thing, particularly if you were brought up Irish or Catholic Mm -hmm. or in any culture whereby, you know, service to other people is seen as being the only Moral good. Like you need to understand, I think, and let me, I'm telling you now, if you're listening to this podcast, you are the most important person in your world. Even if you have kids, they will not be okay unless you are looking after yourself to the point that you can look after them. So if you put yourself second all the time, at some point it's going to come to a point where you cannot look after them because you are not able to look after yourself. You need to be able to put on your own life mask and life jacket first, you know, mm-hmm. like oxygen mask and life jacket, put it on yourself, and then you can help everybody else that goes for everything else in life. So right now, unless you are looking after yourself, you will not be able to help anybody else and you will also probably not be able to make it through this. And the best things to do are, so I said, be honest, that's one. Seek support, that's two, from the right people. And if you don't know who to ask, go search the internet and find out about people to call because there are groups that are out there who will listen to what you're going through and will tell you who to speak to. I think being vulnerable, Is so important. And that is kind of what I'm saying. I guess by being honest, I mean be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability bonds people together. And if you're feeling alone, being vulnerable with the people, with the right people, and it might take you a few goes to find who that person is, will be the best thing you can possibly do because that person or people will be able to help you by reminding you that what you're going through is not unique. It's part of a human experience they're probably going through as well millions of people if not billions of people all over the world right now are going through what you're going through even if what you're going through makes you feel like you're completely alone you're never alone that's the other thing about my class i bring people in to dance regardless of what state they're in and who they are and where they're from and what they believe you know um because i want them to know they're not alone and that's so important to me because for a long time i felt really alone even in a room full of people even whilst making them laugh, you know? So I don't want that to happen to anybody else.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: want to make sure that people know it's okay to okay to feel that, but also to know that that's not true. The stories we tell ourselves are the things that our brain has kind of built up over the years, kind of socialized ways to be unkind to ourselves. And a way to get around that is to do my final piece of advice, which is to have compassion for yourself. And the way that I sometimes say this to people in my classes is, think of the person in the world that you love the most to the point that they could do anything and you would still forgive them, and it could be your child, it could be your best friend, it could be your puppy. You know, um, certainly my cats has destroyed. My cats have destroyed things. They've vomited on things. They have hurt me, <laughs> and I would still, I would still shield them against a nuclear blast. Do you know what I mean? Like, just think of think of the person that you would forgive anything, and think of how you would speak to them if the worst thing that they could possibly have done they've just done, and they come to you in shreds. Mm. And think what you say to them and then just say that to yourself. You know, say to yourself, it's okay. Say to yourself, you're not a bad person. You just maybe did a bad thing. Say to yourself, it will get better. Now is not the way things will be forever. Everything changes all the time. And that is a relief. Even when things are good, you know, but have compassion. Just look at yourself with kindness and say, take some time off if you need it. You know, look at the way things are and see what you can cope with and what you can't cope with. You are not responsible for anybody else is feelings they are and if they Mm -hmm. make you responsible then that is on them but you are not and you can choose to say that's actually not my responsibility i'm going to look after myself and be here for you in a healthy way but it's not your responsibility to do things other people think that you should do because it will make them happier if it's making you miserable or if you're not able to cope you know and only you know how much cope you possess and if you've run out of cope you need to do whatever it is helps you get some back Mm -hmm. And that's kind of general advice for life, I think.
0: I hope that you sit back and you give yourself that self-recognition that you truly do deserve because you do make it amazing to make it so inclusive and accessible for everybody. And that advice, I totally agree with. When you said about compassion, sometimes having that love for yourself and like you mentioned at the beginning is is something that's difficult and hopefully people do really use that time to to have that self-appreciation for themselves. So thank you so much for joining today.
1: I think this will be a really useful podcast for people to listen to. And I'd love to think that you'll get loads of different, really good advice from people in the coming kind of time.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, we think the world is, regardless of what happens now, a different place. Mm. And I'd love to think that we'll all approach creating that new place with a bit more compassion for mm. ourselves. And that spreads outwards, you know, Definitely. Um, and, and, uh, and drink tea, drink proper tea. Yes. It's just like hug in a mug TM. <laughs>
0: don't steal that copyright
1: <laughs> that's if you even say if you even think that out loud uh, that's 20 million dollars
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's tea and toast podcast if you want to share any feedback or ask any questions don't forget to follow like and share via instagram at tea and toast the podcast and don't forget to subscribe